What is up guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts, Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are betting themselves with fitness. All right, we got another episode with your boy, Coach AI and Coach Doobie. And in this episode, we're going to sort of talk around the minimum effective dosage term. uh, And we'll initially describe the general idea behind it, why we are talking about it right now. And then we're going to sort of get into the different types of training and how you can use that minimum effective dosage to sort of benefit your training with each of those. But to begin with, the main reason why I really wanted to talk about this or just sort of discuss it because it's been on my mind a lot because in school, my first semester, it was bad. I could not train as I would want to. And it even got to a point for for like two weeks, I didn't train. I didn't do any running and it just like killed me mentally. So after that two weeks, I really just tried to do like a little bit each week. And at that point, I wasn't cared about progress. I was worried about just getting to the gym and staying consistent because you'll see that consistency is like huge, obviously. But I went through break, had like a month off and I was training a lot more. So this semester, I really wanted to look at the minimum effective dosage of how I can make the most progress doing the least amount so that I don't overdo myself during this semester. So the approach that I'm taking with that is obviously staying consistent. If I, and we'll sort of talk about this a little, but the minimum effective dosage is for strength gains, but if, or muscle gains, but if you're not increasing strength, if you're not increasing muscle mass, you still can be making progress. And that's something Adam and I actually talked about because if I can go this whole semester doing the same thing every single month, like same volume or saying, well, mainly same volume, that's the approach I'm taking now. But if I can do that every month after this semester, my new, I guess you could say very low threshold will be very low. And that will only help me in the future because then I'll be able to increase my volume from there. So go ahead, take it away with any initial thoughts, Adam, and on what you think about the minim- minimum effective dosage as well, because you're, you are also in school. Yeah, you know, I think the minimum dose is something that we should all work, uh, and work smart, not hard. It's this, you know, exercises portrayed to have to be difficult, have to be time consuming and have to be really uh, take away from our lives. You know, the, the phrase that I always say, whether it's nutrition or exercise, it, it should be a part of our life. It shouldn't consume our life. And the minimal effective dose is a great way to find a threshold that works for you at a specific time. And with like any program or any specific behavior that you're wanting to do, it should be adaptable to your certain, your current circumstance specifically for us, more for you, Chris, is how can I still train, but not burn myself out and, you know, not able, be able to make progress. So I really think, again, the minimal effective dose is a great way for anyone to adhere to this complex health behavior of exercise. And something really important to consider based off of the idea behind this whole minimum effective dose of training 
is where you're currently at. And it'll be something, most of the studies I pulled up is going to be, uh, or studies that I'll reference. And uh, I don't know if Adam has, because I sort of threw this together last second and had Adam jump on with me. I don't know if he has any, but the ones that I specifically pulled really looked at advanced or at minimum, like intermediate or like medium training age individuals. And what I mean by training age is like, if you've been training for less than six months, three months, you're a beginner, um, whether, and this is consistently training. So if you've been on and off for the past year, that's, that doesn't mean you have a year of training. If you've been consistently hitting the gym with a certain program that you've been doing for three months, six months, you're, you're sort of getting to that intermediate or medium training age state. And then depending on the research, that's why I say three months or six months, I actually saw, I always termed it as six months or less, but recently I saw something that was three months. So just know that very early on, you're going to be a beginner training age. Then it gets that intermediate. And like I said, this training age can sort of probably vary, but when I think of it, it's going to be like six months to two years, uh, maybe a year and a half. Uh, would you agree with that, Adam? Nod your head, yes or no. You know, I think that's always really tough because in the sense of literature, the way we define a trained or an untrained individual is so drastically different from article to article, but I like where you're going with it. Like if you're, you're a newly trained individual for the first six months, but the intermediate six to two years, and these are all ball, all ballpark. These aren't definite, no definitions, but I like where your frame is. But if anyone listening, you're going to go into the literature you're going to see all sorts of definitions when it comes to trained or untrained or recreationally trained or recreationally active. It's, it's one of my annoyances of scientific exercise science literature. And I guess going back with that, that's probably something that I didn't dive too much into the, the definition. This is what a PhD will do to you guys. Adam, whenever I talk to him, he's like, well, what definition of that term are we using? And before we hopped onto this, he was like, honestly, the definition behind minimum effective dosage, that's just confusing itself. So that's what a PhD will do to you guys. But no, he is totally right. And that brings up another good point is if I'm training for, if if I've never trained in my life before and I go into the gym, do one time a week for six months, uh, and then I have another individual that's never trained before and they go in. And they hit the gym six times per week instead of one time per week. And they do that for six months. Are they the same training age or is it different? And I guess that would be up for debate itself. And I'd probably have to look into it. But the the most important thing is early on, you're a beginner. Then you'll go into intermediate. And after several years of consistently training, you'll get to a point where it's hard to see progress. Uh, maybe not hard, but you won't see as much as what you did in that first initial six months, two years, et cetera. And that's when you get to that really advanced training age. And the the studies that we sort of looked at use that training age because they were Olympic powerlifters or uh, intermediate advanced powerlifters. Like they, they've been doing it for a while. It's established. And it's actually interesting because the the whole minimum dosage requirement from like two or three studies is it's not really popular. And they actually, I wouldn't say it's not popular, but Eric Helms and Lenneke sort of talked about this 
in a review that they did with several, uh, I forget the amount of powerlifters that were in their study, but they actually discussed that powerlifters really didn't like this whole idea of minimum effective dosage and most won't like to use it unless they're limited with time and they still want to see progress. What are your thoughts on that, Adam, with you being more of a power lifter? You know, again, I think when anyone thinks of exercise and you're saying, I hold on, I only have to do two sets. That's it. You feel like you've, you're dissatisfied because you don't feel like you've made any progress or you've actually put any work in. And again, I think that dogmatic approach with exercise or with training or really, I, I think or maybe just this culture here, because some of my clients outside the country, it's what is my minimal effective dose? What is the minimal amount of time that I can get the maximal amount of progress out of? But I think here, or maybe the athlete's mentality within sport of powerlifting or whatever sport it is, it's the more I do, the more outcomes or the more gains I get. But as we kind of said before, with the minimal effective dose, the way I like to phrase it is let's work smart, not hard. Let's actually listen to our body and make sure that, you know, we're able to express our fitness and not accumulate fatigue. And I say some of these phrases and some people that I know who that may listen to this are like, what is accumulated fatigue? We don't really know much about this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's really just having the, the control competencies of understanding when to push and when to not push. But to really answer your question directly, I think not many people are going to like this approach. But to go back to what you're saying, it's time specific. Like for you, Chris, like you only have maybe 30, 45, maybe a maximum an hour to get in and out of the gym because you have class, because you have to study, because you have all of these external responsibilities. So I think it's more and more apparent that, you know, if we want exercise to be a part of your life, we should start with the minimal effective dose. If you're able to sustain and kill that, then we can go ahead and level up and make sure, again, we're going to adapt to this effective dose. Then we can go ahead and raise our ceiling up. But starting here is probably the best thing that we can do for a lot of individuals. And Adam brought up something that was actually eye-opening and people always bring it up to me because I always tell people I train three times per week and they're like, bro, you've, and people have actually mentioned this to me, like how I've gained size over the past two months. And they really noticed it when I came back from break and they're like, you must be like going to the gym, crazy amounts. I'm like, actually, I just kept going three times a week and I got so much sleep during my month that I was off school and that probably enhanced my ability to put on even more. But back to what Adam was saying, yeah, I 45 minutes, an hour a day, that's max what I have. However, the approach I take is instead of doing six days a week and going to the gym for 45, 60 minutes, I'll go one on the weekend so I can just sort of, that's like my session where like, if I'm feeling like crap, I'm still going to go because it's my last session of the week and I can take my time and before each set, I can actually feel ready before doing the set. But then the other two uh, sessions that I have, I have one session that is upper body and then two that are full. So I do one upper during the week and then I take a day off and then I hit a full body. And those sessions are longer. Uh, they're, they're my upper body hour and a half 
and full bodies minimum two hours and they're longer. And if I wanted to condense that, I could, like Adam was saying, I could split it up. I could go several days of the week, but that's how I found to be most beneficial for me. And the reason why this is relevant, I'm not trying to just give you my weekly schedule because no one cares about that. But the study that I was mentioning that the athletes didn't really care about minimum dosage requirements, they actually looked at like how many working sets per week needs to be done. Uh, And then another study also showed like how many weekly sets or weekly sessions do you need to do? And the most important thing that I saw was if you're just practicing the test and one, I'll, I'll even quote the, the study with Holmes and Lenneke. It, it even said that simply demonstrating practicing the test can produce meaning, meaningful strength gains, even in strength athletes. So these are people that train for strength and they actually had a case study that they put on that study as a reference. And they showed that simply doing one set a day for 37 days they literally increased this person's, these three people's squats. Uh, it was a case study three. They improved the squats by like 25 pounds, uh, 40 pounds, 27-ish. And it's in kilograms. So I'm just throwing out random numbers that are close to it. But the most important thing is you don't have to do a ton. You can do a little bit. It doesn't have to be six days a week. Uh, it, it showed that three to six working sets uh, of one to five reps with a super high RPE and spread that out over a week. They show that to be beneficial. Adam, what, what approach do you take? Cause I, I know you're strong as hell. You're always making progress. I'm sort of jealous a little, but that's why I'm focusing on muscle gains for the most part. How many times do you train a week and uh, what approach, why do you take that approach? Yeah, man, you know, I guess I, I'm the complete opposite of you training, you know, three days a week, I actually train anywhere from five to six days. And to think about that, as you said, like I've been fortunate to, you know, be in the game of powerlifting for almost a decade now, but now literally my squat and deadlift sessions almost take an hour itself. So there's days that literally I only go in deadlift, maybe do one other accessory and I have to leave. But that is the reason why I have to have the increased frequency within my training. Um, and more nowadays, like I just can't recover enough with everything that I have going on to do both squat and deadlift at the same session. Um, it's just super fatiguing. And more importantly, it just takes way too long for me right now. So I'm in this sense, like the minimal effective dose for me is again, as you said, touching those heavy singles, getting that practice back off work, um, and really just trying to make it as intent and as specific as possible to my sport of powerlifting. And I think that's the, that's the name of the game, keeping it as specific as possible, being consistent with the plan and making sure intent and intensity is there because those are the driving factors, right? You can do six very poorly executed sets and not hit that minimal effective dose, or you can do two, maybe three, shoot, maybe one high quality, high intensity sets and hit that effectiveness. So that's the most important thing is training quality, not quantity. And I think Adam, because you've been doing this for a while, that's sort of something you've had adapted to. 
And I can completely see why, because myself, my training, you have to think my training is more putting on muscle and Adam's training is more putting on strength. And I actually changed my training slightly because now my bench and squat are two things I'm trying to just improve one RM. So besides all of those other lifts for one RM bench and squat, I'm only doing one or two really, depending on the week, one or two really high, uh, high effort working sets. And you have to think my training age for strength is very young. I'm a beginner. I haven't trained for strength probably since high school. And this is the approach that I'm taking now. And you can get stronger uh, without focusing on strength. But like I mentioned prior, simply practicing, trying to get stronger, practicing higher rep, one to five rep ranges, that will alone get you stronger. And that's not something I ever did. I stayed above reps of eight or higher and you can still get stronger, like I said, but it's just not the most optimal. And we, we've we sort of talked about strength so far and like minimum effective dosage and we'll shift it over toward, towards hypertrophy or putting on muscle mass because it's sort of a different game. Uh, you, you can train for strength. You can train for hypertrophy. Uh, you can get benefits of both. I guess that's a very controversial topic. I'm not sure Adam's position on that, but I don't believe that you can focus on both of those. Now nah, you could focus on both of them. It'll take longer, but I think most people miss the mark when they're saying, yeah, I'm trying to get bigger and stronger when really they're trying to, but they're not doing optimal things for both hypertrophy and muscle uh, or muscle and strength increases because it, <laughs> I feel like gym sessions would take forever if you're training for increasing your strength and also trying to do hypertrophy because you'd, you'd have to reach such a high volume effort to sort of get that optimal increase. But when it comes to sort of putting on muscle mass, you just got to figure out what is going to be most beneficial for you. And Yes, we can go by what, what the research says, uh, higher volume, weekly amount of sets, 12 to 20 or 8 to 16 or whatever literature you're looking at. It'll be it, it's going to be in that higher above 10 sets per week range. And it it's actually interesting because when it comes to putting on muscle mass, a lot of the research will suggest that how much you train during the week doesn't really matter. And if if you look at it, there, there might be a little substantial increase if you hit a muscle group two times per week instead of one time. But really, it just goes back to what's going to be best for you. Because if you need to go to three times per week uh, versus two, just because of time restraints, you'll still see that progress. But if you can only get to the gym one time and you hit biceps 20 sets in one session, I mean, that that's going to be crazy. But you're, you're going to need that week to recover from that 20 sets in one day. And as long as you have the volume there, I think you'll see that progress. Yeah, man, I think, and you know, my stance, especially when working with Dr. Buckner, volume is just such an objective variable that doesn't speak towards actual physiology or the threshold that is needed in a sense. 
Um, we look at low load blood flow restriction training. The volume is insane. You're doing a lot of sets, a lot of reps with low loads. We go the opposite of the spectrum, high intensity, high loads, lower reps and sets. The volume is, is, I guess, quote unquote high, but not as high as that. But we've also seen growth with literally body weight exercise or literally just flexing your biceps. So I think, again, the, the main gist of what we've been able to come to conclusions thus far based on, you know, the literature that is out there is if you want to grow your muscle, train hard, train with a high intensity. And just to use Chris's example, if you're doing 20 sets of a bicep curl, your, your peak arousal is going to be diminished. Again, the quality of the work is being sacrificed. So if we're talking minimal effective dose, do two to three sets high intensity like you shouldn't be able to complete another rep on any of those sets and when you're training that way you you have that insurance policy that i i've reached this threshold that's going to stimulate some sort of adaptation but it comes to to beg the question is i can't do most people train like that and you know a, a recent systematic and meta-analysis came out that most people only train around 60 to 70 percent of their one rm when they self-select the loads Again, intensity for hypertrophy doesn't really matter. So you can select that that percentage, but are you actually pushing yourself close to failure? RPE around seven to eight, closer to nine. That is what we really want to strive for, not this bulk set mark or volume mark. Because again, I can get a bunch of volume, but have really poor quality execution throughout my sets. So I think the minimal effective dose, whether it is for strength, whether it's for hypertrophy, the main variable that we want to be super diligent about is the intensity. And I would agree. And I would say another important consideration, you mentioned it at the beginning of that statement was that they don't really touch on the physiological aspect enough. Like, yes, they have certain aspects that they go, but you got to remember that you compared to everyone else are an individual of one. You are a case study of one. You are a person of one. And what is for you is definitely not going to be the same for the person next to you, unless you guys are very similar in a manner. Like, yes, you'll see overlying themes, but a lot of the research is in controlled studies. It's in individuals, uh, unfortunately, that have a lot of free time where they can actually help out with research. And that doesn't take into account if you're a single mother of three or if you are a husband that juggles two jobs and has a kid and a wife. Like It doesn't take account into life. And that is something you need to keep in mind because the, it just goes back to if you are consistent, your minimum threshold will go up and that alone is going to see progress. And it might not be the fastest progress you want to see, but when did you ever see two people achieve their goals in the exact same amount of days? Like one person might achieve something in six months, another person might achieve it in four, another person might achieve it in nine. And that's just because life is different, body's different. So what we are stating here, yeah, you you can look at what the minimum or the most or 
what's going to be most beneficial. But the biggest thing is just, you got to stay consistent with whatever you're doing. And that's why I think this, this is why I wanted to talk about this because this is the mindset I'm going into with this semesters. Yeah. I'm training three times a week. There are longer sessions, but if I can't continuously do this week, week in and week out, then it's not going to be effective. And that's where I need to lower it because yes, I might be shooting for a minimum effective dosage right now, but if I can't sustain it, then it's not my minimum effective dosage. It's not effective at all. So really just keep that in mind when you're looking at this approach and we're going to have Adam close this out with a few last words. Yeah. Again, I think based on what we've seen throughout the literature guys is, you know, one, you're not going to lose gains as quickly as we all tend to believe, right? It takes a long time to lose lean body mass. It takes a I would say a pretty significant amount of time to also lose strength gains, right? Don't be afraid to maybe have to take a hiatus because, you know, finals week or whatever the case may be, you're not going to lose your strength, your, your muscle gains in that sense. Um, I just pulled up the recent meta-analysis and systematic review on this minimal effective dose. And it literally quote states in the conclusion that, Based on all the the studies that they looked at, you can maintain your current strength and muscle size levels for up to 32 weeks if you're training as little as one session. Again, they conclude at the end of it that the primary variable that they are concerned about that we should be concerned about if you have to do this minimal effective dose again is the intensity. Intensity seems to be that main driver of adaptation. So again, however you have to get that intensity, if you have to spread it out with frequency or whatever the case may be, make sure you're just training hard. Make sure your quality of your session is there because if that's not there, again, it's not effective in a sense. And we want to be able to understand that exercise is this complex behavior that if you want to sustain your progress or maintain your progress, you have to continuously do this. So one, don't be afraid if you have to do a training hiatus. And two, if you have to significantly reduce your volume or your frequency or your duration of your training session, make sure the intensity is as high as it can be. And thank you for tuning in, guys. Most importantly, figure out what's going to work best for you. What works best for you isn't always going to work best for other people. You really want to consider what your minimum effective dosage. Yes, you'll see a whole bunch of things out there that says this is what the research says. This is what uh, Instagram Sally says that you should be doing weekly. But if it's not specific towards you or your as we've been talking about training age, if you're trying to compare what you're doing to someone that's been doing it for five years and you're just getting into it or vice versa, then it's not going to be effective at all. So we, we've sort of talked about what you can do for putting on muscle, putting on strength. Uh, of course, the most important thing is to stay consistent and make sure your recovery is one of the forefront things that you're you're having out there because you, you got to make this individual towards you guys. So thanks for tuning in. That was all the smoke with your boy, Coach AI and Coach Doobie. Take it easy, guys.